227. Risk. Tristan drummed his fingers on the back of his elbow, feeling the conspicuous absence of his sword's weight on his hip. The line was moving slowly, leaving him ample time to scan for threats he wouldn't be able to do anything about. He'd worked himself to exhaustion, day in and day out, earning the distinction of the top-ranked unawakened in Samson's class. Here, finally, was a place where he could put that work to use, a place where he could excel, and he'd been hobbled at the starting line. Swords were banned in Seh. More generally, weapons were banned, including knives, axes, spears, staves, clubs, bows, and a hefty list of things that blurred the line between tool and implement of death. Carrying anything like that through the streets would see you stopped and questioned at the very least. As foreigners, they'd be watched twice as closely. If the guard presence inside the city proper was anything like it was at the docks, he'd hesitate to pick his teeth with a splinter. You're doing it again, said a voice behind him, and Tristan sighed, uncrossing his arms and trying to relax. He glanced over his shoulder at Shet, then clicked his tongue and looked forward again. Of course he doesn't care. Shet was one of the few people he couldn't reliably beat in unarmed combat, discounting the awakened, though he could beat some of those too. Only in a duel, though, in a fight where there were rules. Duels were a good moneymaker. People tended to bet against him, no matter how often he won. But dueling prowess wasn't something to rely on when lives were on the line. The strength accolade he had bound at the moment, though it remained locked in the ship's armory, was only a small comfort. I should ask Amelia to show me Bear Cutter again. Maybe if I'd known what I was doing, Thrust wouldn't have been able to break my arm like that. I could have slipped out of it or something. Probably not. But maybe. Damn it. I need a blue. Next, called a bored woman's voice from ahead. Tristan stepped forward, now at the head of the line. He watched with interest as the man who'd been in front of him walked forward, then placed his hand on the statue guarded by a pair of heavily armed and armoured soldiers. Absolutely nothing happened in response, and the man moved forward again, stopping to speak to the official seated at the desk just behind the gate. Tristan looked back at the statue, the thrill of the unknown running through him. It was of a pair of marble hands rising from a stone pillar to hold a jet-black orb, as if offering it to the sun. The base was granite, massive and immovable, ornately carved with what was either runework or decoration, given the statue's function, much more likely the former. Next, called the board official. With a brief glance over his shoulder at his companions, Tristan left the line, walking the last few metres to the checkpoint. Imitating those he'd watched, he placed his hand on the orb without prompting, or giving himself time to second guess. 
Immediately there was a small static shock, and he pulled back, seeing the tiniest flicker of colour swirling below the surface. Shit, am I sunk already? Maintain contact for five seconds, please, the woman said. Maybe not yet. He placed his hand on the orb again, feeling the shock which grew to a tingling running through his entire body. The orb, however, did not glow. No alarms went off. Against all logic, he felt himself relax. This was his element. That will do. Come here, please. Tristan took his hand away, seeing the swirls of colour again, but only below where his palm had made contact. He blinked, and they were gone. He risked a glance up at the guards, their expressions unreadable behind their scarves. The official, too, wore a scarf, as did every single Novian he'd seen. He couldn't say for sure, but he didn't think they'd notice the colours. Maybe it's normal? Today, if you please, said the official. He stepped forward. Thank you, she said, though her tone said she was less than thankful. Do you have any weapons? No. Magical equipment perverting L's order? No, he said coolly. Technically. They'd followed the letter of the law, bringing no enchanted items that were offensive, dangerous, or that would enhance their stats beyond that of an unawakened. The accolades weren't items, and the aura anchors tucked in his tail pouch weren't equipment. They'd gone first specifically because he was carrying a full set of Rain's wards, plus detection and purify. The unknown magic was sure to be a sticking point if they were questioned on it, but Rain had refused to let them go in undefended. He'd said he'd prefer they be turned away if it came to it. The woman gave him a look. Tristan grinned. Well, I've got a message scroll, but that's allowed, right? Also a couple potions, health and stamina. The official made a noise of disgust, looking away. Cease your barbarian lewdness. Showing me your teeth like that in public? Honestly. Sorry, Tristan said, closing his mouth but maintaining his smile. These people are weirdos. Wait, is this where myth and reason are from? The woman sighed. Those items are indeed allowed, if unusual. Do you have anything expressly prohibited? Do I need to read you the list? No accommodation is made for ignorance. I read the list, yes, and I don't have anything on it. It would have been hard not to read the list, with it painted in enormous letters on a sign beside the excruciatingly slow-moving line. The official glanced significantly at Mlem's journey cart, which was waiting with a line of others as yet more soldiers walked along inspecting them. Your purpose in the city? That cart, in fact, Tristan replied. It's damaged. We're trying to find someone to look at it. We'll also do some shopping while we're here. How much shopping depends on whether we can get it fixed. It tends to freeze up if you put too much. 
Duration of stay? Interrupted the official. A few hours. Maybe half a day. Very well, she said, reaching into a drawer and pulling out a small wooden token, which she placed on the table with a click and slid across to him. Your one-day token. Do not lose it, trade it, or give it away. Always have it ready to present when requested and upon departure. If you are discovered with a weapon, it will be confiscated. If you were seen wielding said weapon, it will be used to remove the hand that wielded it. Any other crimes will be punished according to the king's law, as if you were one of his subjects. You may stand in the waiting area there until your car has been searched. That will be twenty copper for entry, or two tell if you prefer. They're not going to search us. Just the cart? Tristan's eyebrows rose, but he didn't question it, paying and taking the wooden token before walking under the eye of the soldiers to the designated area. Maybe they didn't tell this lady we're with Ascension, or maybe they're turning a blind eye. If they know we came in with Amelia, they probably think she'll make a stink if they hassle us. On the other hand, if they don't give us trouble, we won't give them trouble and everyone's happy. They probably don't expect four unawakened to be able to do much damage, regardless. No matter what we're carrying. Idiots. What if one of these anchors were emulate? Reminding himself that they weren't through quite yet, he waited patiently, as first Chet, then Fass, passed the checkpoint, joining him in silence. Silence was the rule of the day. Divination couldn't be ruled out, even with Arcane Ward active. Attil came through last, long after the search of their cart had concluded. Finally, he said, striding toward it and beckoning to them. He tapped the activation rune on the side, then clicked his tongue and punched it instead. It took two more solid hits before the cart quivered, pivoting on its wheels to face him. Their story wasn't just a cover story to get in contact with a core crafter. The arcane contraption really was acting up. Under the supervision of the guards, they passed through the open gate into the city proper. Attil had apparently had better luck charming the official and had gotten basic directions from her, so he led them westward along a wide thoroughfare. Sir was different. The streets were immaculate, paved with smooth bricks of grey stone that looked like they'd been laid yesterday. The buildings were largely wood, but all were in perfect repair, though they lacked a certain vibrancy, almost as if their owners were afraid to stand out. The people, too, had a sameness to them, beyond that of the black scarves they all wore, hair colour, build, height, the shape of their eyebrows the way they all seemed to be on edge. The gender ratio was off too. There were too many women, except for the guards, who were all men, and there were no children anywhere. Weirdos. Anyone else feeling like a pig in a henhouse? Fass asked. Painted blue? Tristan replied, looking down at his shirt. It wasn't even that good of a shirt, 
and yet he seemed to be catching every eye. The expressions, though, looked almost offended. Does anyone know if blue means something to these folks? It's the colour of nobility, Atil replied. If you see a blue scarf, that's a royal, though that doesn't necessarily mean they're awakened or important. Cousins, nephews, great-great-grand-somethings, if we ran into the prince, we'd know. Ah, Tristan said, if someone had told me that, I'd have picked green. As they wound their way deeper into the city, the stairs began lingering longer, both from the common folk and from the soldiers that patrolled every street corner. People seemed less used to seeing foreigners further from the gate. Indeed, they were stopped more and more frequently, asked to display their tokens. Soon shops and businesses became homes and small parks, and from one street to the next, the omnipresent guards seemed to vanish all at once, like they'd crossed some invisible line. The bricks became dirty, and the houses run down. Are you sure this is the way? Shed asked. Reasonably sure, Atil replied. There we go, that's the building with the red shutters, he pointed, and Tristan blinked to see the splash of faded colour, exceptional only thanks to its dreary surroundings. Nearly there now. Some kind of inn, Fass asked. A drinking house? No idea, Attil said. Come on, I don't like the looks we're getting. He remained silent for a long moment. It occurs to me now that the directions I was given might not have been the directions I asked for. This could be a trap. Tristan frowned, eyeing a shifty group of men watching them from an alley. You don't say? Attil clicked his tongue. She said there were a few different core crafters we could try, but only one who'd be willing to speak to a foreigner. The rest just sell their workings indirectly. It'll be a lot more work to get an audience with one of those. Audience? Fass asked, then snapped his fingers. Oh, right. They'd be awakened so that'd make them royal. Not used to that. Should we turn back? Shet asked. I don't know, Attil said slowly. Let's go a little further, Tristan said, glancing over his shoulder. The group from the alley was out of sight now. They just looked like downtrodden working folk, Suspicious of the outsiders, not criminals or muggers or anything. Even if they had been, they weren't a threat, not with Force Ward going. The real threat would be what Rain would do to them if they got themselves into a pointless fistfight. He had no interest in joining Mig and Dell on the shit list. Rumour was, they actually had to. There, Attil said, pointing with relief. Blue wash fine crafts, core work and curios. Tristan read, 
peering at the faded sign. It hung over the double doors of a small shop front, exceptional for having glass windows, though they were so crusted with dirt that it was difficult to make out the tumbled wares on display. Do we knock or... Fass asked. Tristan shrugged, then stepped forward. It was a shop after all, so he simply turned the knob on the right-hand door and pushed. It swung open smoothly, and though he didn't step through, instead taking a moment to look around, then up. The shop was crammed with junk, essentially. There was a small arm mounted above the door where a bell may once have hung, though there was nothing there now save dust. I'm open, called a female voice from inside in a rush. Just a moment. Come in, come in. What can I... The voice faltered as Tristan stepped through. Foreigners? asked the shopkeeper, frozen in mid-rush to greet them, having just emerged from behind a pile of dusty chairs. She was surprisingly young, twenty or thirty, perhaps, though it was hard to tell with the blue scarf she'd just finished winding over her mouth. With all the ancient garbage piled here and there, he'd been expecting the core crafter to be a shriveled-up old man, with a face like a raisin. Instead, he found his attention stuck on wavy blonde curls, falling over perfectly shaped ears, and a pair of blue eyes he felt he could drown in. Wow. Hello, Attil said, stepping around Tristan. We're looking for a lord or lady, Blue Wash. Would that be you? It would, but a lady I'm not, she said. We don't use that title in Nov, and even if we did, I wouldn't really have the right to use it anymore, so... She trailed off, her voice having become cautious as she looked past them. Tristan glanced over his shoulder, seeing that Fass and Shet had entered to stand behind them, the three of them towering over Attil like hired thugs. It was easy to see how someone could get the wrong impression. What do... um... Blue Wash paused. What do you want? Peter didn't send you, did he? I have no idea who that is, Attil said, clearly deciding to ignore her unease as he bowed. My name is Attil Wagarar Drogram of Ascension. We were told this was the place to come to get our journey cart repaired. It's just out in the street there, he turned. If you three could stop looming. Sorry. Tristan said, stepping out of the way. Oh, Blue Wash said, taking a breath, then exhaling and pressing a hand to her chest. Quickly, she took hold of herself. Sorry, never mind. I thought... Stopping with a wince, she muttered something to herself about scaring away the customers, then looked up, her eyes and tone cheery once more. I think I can help you with that. What maker? Hold on a moment, Fass said, glancing at Attil, then back to the woman. Are you really a core crafter? 
I... yes, Bluewash said, tilting her head. Cool Smith, actually. Best in the city. Fass harumphed. Somehow I doubt that. Why is your shop in such a shady part of town? Why is it full of junk? And why are you afraid of us? A bunch of unawakened. Aren't we the ones who are supposed to be afraid of you? Junk? She gasped indignant. Fass? Attil hissed. Fass whispered back. Sorry, boss, but something's not adding up. That's no reason to insult the woman, Chet muttered. Okay, maybe some of this is junk, Bluewash admitted suddenly, having been looking around and seemingly ignoring their whispered conversation. Most of it, even. I've been meaning to clean it all out, really. I have, but it's hard to let go, you know? Tristan rubbed his chin. Who's Peter? he finally asked. That's none of our business, Attil interrupted. Don't be a gilder. Peter is my cousin, and he got me this shop after the old one uh, exploded. Bluewash waved her hands rapidly, craning her neck to look past them. Forget I said that. I'm good with calls, I swear, she pointed past them. That's a light core model, isn't it? I can tell from here. No wonder it needs seeing to. She spun, heading back the way she'd come. Let me get my tools. Bring it in, bring it in. Just park it in the middle there. In the middle where? Shet asked. But she was already gone. Can we go back to the part where her last shop exploded? Fass asked. She's the best kind of person we could hope for, Attil said in a hush, touching Fass's elbow and giving him a pointed look. Let me do the talking, all of you. He took his hand away, then spoke in a more normal tone. I'll get the cart. Someone move those mannequins. Be careful with those, came a voice from behind the pile of chairs. They're antiques. With a shrug, Tristan moved to help Shet. Force Ward would protect them in case of an explosion, and Attil was right. If the woman was as desperate as she seemed, she'd be much more likely to answer questions than someone who didn't need to worry about keeping her customers happy. And if she was a fraud, well, the worst they'd lose would be some time, and a cart that barely worked to begin with. By the time the woman returned, Attil had negotiated the cart through the double doors. It didn't seem to want to follow him inside, going as far as to lock up its wheels completely, so the four of them had to drag it the rest of the way, leaving tracks in the dust. Let's see here, Bluewash said, unconcerned for any damage that might just have been done to her floor, as she knelt to access the cart's core compartment. She donned a leather apron covered with pockets and loops holding various delicate-looking tools. One of them was glowing. Silently, Tristan elbowed Fass, then gestured to the tool and signed in handcode, 
See? Glow equals power. She's the real deal. If you say so, Fass signed back. Ah, oh, gods! Those lazy! Blue Wash said, already shoulder deep inside the cart's gut. They didn't even try to make it match. Let me just... She grunted. Then there was a sharp snap, and the rune on the front of the cart flared before flickering and going out. Oops. Oops, Attil asked. What? Blue Wash said, pausing as she reached for the glowing tool. Oh, don't worry. I meant to do that. Sure, you did, Fass said. Quiet, Attil said. What do you mean they didn't try to make it match? The call, Blue Wash said, replacing the panel, then lying down on her back and pushing herself completely underneath the card. There was a clatter as she tossed aside a different panel, then levered herself back to sitting, worming her whole torso up into the cart's innards. Her voice echoed as she continued over the scratching sound of the tool as she carved into something. Every core is different, even two cores from the same lair. Subcores, sorry. This is obviously a subcore. Almost nobody works with full cores, so core smiths tend to shorten it when we're talking to each other. Where was I? Oh, right. You asked me a question. You need to match the runes on the cradle to the nature of the core, or the friction will cause damage. Once it gets bad enough, it will stop working, which is exactly what... She grunted again, and there was a sudden blast of wind that sent dust flying and toppling over something highly breakable from the sound of shattering pottery. What was that? She said with a gasp, struggling to free herself. That's our line, Shet said, watching as Blue Wash wormed her way out from under the cart, then rushed to the shattered object, which seemed to have been a small vase. Oh no, she moaned, clutching the pieces. That was an original, from before the division. What was that pulse? Attil asked, clearing his throat loudly. You broke it. Didn't you? Yes, I broke it. I... Blue Wash stopped, looking up from the shards, and then over at the cart. Oh, the cart. She dropped them with a sigh. No, that's fine. That was just the residual charge dissipating when I bypassed the... Never mind. You wouldn't understand. Anyway, you'll have to charge it up again, or, well... I guess I'll have to charge it for you since you're not... She smacked herself on the forehead with a palm. I forgot to even ask if you could pay. Why am I so bad at this? Tristan's mouth twitched. She reminds me of the captain. She must have a lot of clarity. Will this do? Attil asked, reaching into a breast pocket of his coat and removing a sphere of bank silver. Blue Wash's eyes went wide. Um, two spheres? Attil smiled. You really are bad at this. I know, Blue Wash said with a defeated sigh. Fine, one sphere. 
How long will it take you to finish the repairs? Attil asked. And would you mind explaining what you're doing while you work? Huh? Bluewash asked with a blink. Oh, it's already done. Attil raised an eyebrow. Really? Really, Bluewash said, moving to hover her hand over the activation rune. But then she stopped. Another sphere to charge it? One sphere only, for the repair and the charge, Attil said, bemused. Then tossed her the spherical coin. Bluewash yelped, almost fumbling the catch before she trapped it against her hip. Why they made them round, I'll never... She said, lifting the troublesome bit of currency to her eyes. Fine, then. Tucking the sphere into a pocket, she touched the activation rune and furrowed her brow. The rune lit up. Then the wheels unlocked as the cart swiveled to face her, running over the discarded access panel in the process. You see? She declared proudly, not taking her hand away, the charging presumably still in process. I didn't have to do that much, really. Like Hall's work isn't bad, just lazy. Though, if you ask me, they want them to fail. That way you have to keep paying them whenever something breaks. She hesitated. I should probably tell you that they won't honour your repair discount if you take this back to them now. She removed her hand, and the light went out as she knelt to replace the access panel. I kind of sort of... Maybe voided your warranty. Oh, and don't tell them I told you anything about their design. That would just get them mad at you. And at me. I don't want any trouble. Finished, she rose, then dusted her hands. Actually, I'm not really supposed to talk about this stuff. Outside the academy. They like to listen sometimes. And I might have already said too much. I'll, uh, stop talking now. Tristan had tensed at the mention of divination, as had the others. Before the woman noticed their reaction, Attil reached into a pocket, removing another sphere. What if I paid you to say more? Bluewash's eyes narrowed, and she tore them from where they'd seemed magnetically drawn to the sphere to meet Attil's gaze instead. Oh, I see what this is. It's a test. This was all a jest, wasn't it? You're trying to buy my designs. I should have known you weren't merchants. Who do you work for? Is it Upton? Maybe Jenimar? No, he wouldn't bother. Hmm. Wait, maybe you're from the Academy. I hadn't said anything anyone couldn't have figured out for themselves if they took one look at the runes. Attil removed another sphere, adding it to the first. Again, I have no idea who those people are, or what this academy you're referring to is. We're just naturally curious people. Ascension, she said out of nowhere, as if tasting the word. Tristan started, taking a moment to remember that Attil had said it back when he'd introduced himself. Who are you for, really? Bluewash asked seemingly no longer interested in the money glittering on Attil's palm. You're not Gildas. If you were, I'd have to report you for walking around without your plates. 
Not that you could have even made it into the city. Um, We're not guilders, Tristan said, earning himself a look from Attil, though he didn't care. His instincts told him there was an opportunity here, though it depended very much on what the woman decided to do. On how much risk she was willing to tolerate. On whether he'd judged her situation correctly. Maybe Attil could get her to talk, if he kept pulling out spheres, and maybe she was about to report them. But if he was right... Stepping forward, he cleared his throat. Some of our members are guilders, but not us specifically. We've got crafters too. He pointed out his day pass. We're just here to get our cart fixed, and for some shopping. Ascension is leaving as soon as we get back on our ship. He very desperately didn't stress the final word. But the stage play he enacted with his eyebrows should have made it abundantly clear what he was trying to say. You can come with us. Let me see that, Blue Wash said, taking the token and giving it a long look. When she looked up at him, it was almost as if he could see the gears turning in her mind. She passed the token back, then tapped a finger against her ear. Tristan nodded, then smiled. She gets it. Seems real, Blue Wash said, the barest quaver in her voice. She hesitated for a moment, looking around the shop, before seemingly coming to a snap decision. Let's say I believe you, then. Silently, with the first awakened level strength she'd shown, she grasped the side of the cart, lifting her entire body into the air. You still smell like trouble, she continued as she just as smoothly manoeuvred herself over the side. I think I want you out of my shop now that our business is over. Settling within the empty cart bed, she scrunched herself down, her head disappearing below its walls. Demons and friends of demons are nothing but trouble. I see now that that's what you are. Are we really doing this? Fast signed. Clear disbelief written all over his face. Apparently we are, Attil signed back. Should we cover her with a blanket or something? Chet asked in hand code as well. What if they search the cart again on the way out? Why would they? Tristan signed, grinning. Now this is a proper risk. Well, demanded Blue Wash from within the cart. Get out already. Shoo. <laughs>